On today's episode, we are joined by a doctor who has a really interesting side hustle. Dr. Hussein Gandhi, or Dr. Gandalf, as we affectionately call him, is a doctor, but also has a platform called EGP Learning, which is a suite of podcasts, uh, YouTube channel, and other really useful uh, blog articles that help doctors to tech enhance their learning and their work. So, Dr. Gandalf is at the forefront of the tech revolution that's happening in the NHS. He talks a lot about video consults. He's organized his own online conference, and we talk about the benefits of an online conference versus a more conventional conference during the middle of this COVID pandemic that we're all in. But the reason that I love talking to Dr. Gandalf is that he is so passionate about what he does, and he just puts out so much useful content that's just helping doctors to transform their lives and make them easier. So he's got some really great tips of some apps that will definitely help you to be more productive. And he's got some really wise advice for any doctor who's thinking about starting a side hustle like he has. So let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins, and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's podcast, I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Gandalf, who uh, we affectionately think of uh, Medics Money as the father of the Medics Money podcast. And you're going to find out exactly why he's the father of the Medics Money podcast uh, when we get into today's episode. But uh, Gandalf, do you want to just give yourself an intro about what you do and who you are? Sure thing. Thanks, Tom. So I'm Dr. Sain Gandhi, but more people know me as Dr. Gandalf, um, particularly on social media and various platforms like that. I swear I spend a huge amount of time. Um, and I am at GP Nottingham, GP partner and trainer as well. But on the side of all of that, I also run something called EGP Learning, which is basically a platform designed to try and help clinicians um, tech enhance their primary care and learning. Um, something I've been running for the past few years now, and it's grown from being a website to a podcast to a YouTube channel and various other things, including um, we're doing, doing some awesome stuff with conferences and stuff lately. Yeah. And um, I said you were the father of the Medics Money podcast because when we were thinking about uh, setting up a podcast, I came across a YouTube video from some guy called Dr. Gandalf, um, who basically did a really nice step-by-step guide to starting your own podcast. And um, even even I managed to follow it. And um, that's actually how we ended up setting up the Medics Money podcast. Um, and that's kind of what you're known for, really, isn't it? These kind of really nice step-by-step guides to all things tech related for doctors is that a fair summary of what you do yeah i think one of the key things i love to share is so i love tech there's no mistake about that and i like sharing how people can use it better and whether that's tech around the job that we do when it comes to medicine general practice all that kind of stuff or whether it's just tech to improve kind of the way that we learn or tech to improve the way that we do things in life and podcasting i've had a i've been a massive fan of it for a while um listened to podcasts for years and then about four years ago one of me and one of my colleagues we kind of realized we wanted to do something together in terms of helping people to learn so we went down the the podcasting route and actually really really enjoyed it but we learned a lot of lessons in terms of how to do it really well and how to definitely not do it well um and i think you know one of the things i've been keen to share with a lot of people is, is how you can basically make that process easier for yourself and just provide really good quality content because there's so many people out there with really good ideas you know concepts about how they want to change you know things around them and having just that little support 
it just makes the world a difference and yeah definitely enjoy doing it yeah and i think the thing that i love about your channel is that um it's all free and it's really good high quality information just like on medics money we just if if we know something we want to just share it to help our colleagues as much as possible and um it's really interesting what you just said about just needing that little nudge or handhold to push you over the line you know i'd been thinking mm. about doing a podcast for a while and then i saw your video and saw that you'd done it and uh, the video is so nice and it made it seem really easy um it's not that easy but it's easy enough um and uh yeah it was really good so you mentioned that you were a gp partner and i know you have lots of other roles um mm. you know where and how do you fit all of this in because this is your side hustle right yeah um so i often comment that i'm one of my kind of monikers is that i'm a time lord history so it's the whole dr gandalf doctor who um, um lord of the rings kind of thing um and, and that time has no meaning to me it's probably because i don't sleep if i'm being honest but it's also because I use a lot of things to try and help improve my productivity. So massive fan of concepts like batching, um, using timers to help me understand how to be more productive uh, and just fitting things around the dead time that I have. So making sure that if I do have some spare time where I'm not doing anything, I can do small packets of work to fit those kind of things in. Uh, and it works. It requires effort and, you know, having the setup to make sure that things work best for you. But I find that that works quite well. The fact I'm a GP as well helps massively, if I'm being honest. General practice is one of the only careers where you can actually have additional time by controlling your workload to a degree. Now, we all know that workload's chaotic right now, but in terms of I'm a six-session partner, so my clinical work is focused around that. As you mentioned, I've got other hats. So I'm a PCN clinical director, and I do that two sessions a week. And I've actively got um, one session a week where I set aside to do all the GP learning stuff. And yeah, sometimes don't have enough to do, that's quite rare nowadays and sometimes it massively bleeds over but that's where trying to lean on some of the tech and the other kind of principles to make it effective for me work yeah and um i think when we first scheduled a call together you sent me the can calendly thing which is a really cool way to organize your um sort of schedule and you just instead of doing the whole right what time can you do i can do this time two and fourth is just on a screen when click a button and book a meeting is that is that calendly is that a good a good app yeah, so I actually use a different platform called Harmonizely, but Calendly is probably one of the more popular versions out there. Um, and yeah, it's a simple principle. It's about, I, I send, like you said, I send you a link that lets you know when I'm available and that's contained time. So like I said, I've got one session a week where I focus on doing all my EGP learning stuff and I try and make sure that everything I do is is in that time frame. And if it's not, then to be honest, I often can't do it because of all the other roles and I need to make sure they don't blend over. Otherwise you end up having chaos and, you know, it's really frustrating, more stressful then. Um, but by doing that, like you say, it negates that whole back and forth. Oh, I'm free here. No, no, but I'm not free here. What about this day? And that's annoying, to be honest. This way, the other person knows this is when I'm free. If I'm not free, then I'm not free. It's as simple as that. And we need yeah. to find a, di a different way of doing things. And I found that works really, really well. And it just makes the whole process really streamlined. And as well, I get some of the pre-information. So that allows me to say to the person, look, you know, what is it you want to talk to me about? You know, what kind of thing? So then I've got some pre-information about actually, this is what I need to focus on to make sure I'm ready for that meeting. Yeah, it's nice. You know, if you just use that tech in that way to streamline your time and manage it, as you say, then you can fit a lot in. Um, now, you obviously fit a lot in around being a doctor and um, sort of side hustles, shall we call them, are quite popular at the moment, I think, with doctors, maybe because of the unprecedented workload pressures and burnout and dissatisfaction. 
Um, now, you know, the tech, the e-technology uh, niche has been totally filled. So definitely don't bother to start a side hustle on that if you're listening. Um, managing med- money for doctors has also been totally filled. But so don't <laughs> just avoid those niches because they're getting dominated, I, I hear, um, by some medics money and EGP learning or something. But if, if a doctor is listening to this and they've got mm. an idea for a side hustle, you know, what's your sort of top tips on how to push that forward and uh, get it from idea to sort of something like you have, which is an amazing sort of suite of um, channels and everything? Sure. So I think the first thing is, whatever the idea is, you do actually need to share it with some people. A lot of people keep their ideas bottled up inside because they think if I tell somebody, they're going to steal it. Let's be honest, that rarely happens because most other people won't have your perspective and they won't have your drive to do that idea. So getting feedback on actually, is this a sensible thing for me to look at? And you can do that through various ways, whether that's friends and family, whether that's colleagues, whether that's even social media. So nowadays, when I'm uh, trying to figure out what next to explore into, I often ask my community of you know EGP learners and stuff, actually, these are the options I'm thinking of, which one sounds most appropriate to you? And whilst that gives them a signal that I'm going to be doing something different, it also gives me feedback as to which of those options is going to be the most sensible one for me to focus my time on. So getting that feedback is really, really important, actually. I think the other thing then is trying to fit in how this works for you. So it's really often people try and squidge side hustles on top of what they're doing. And whilst that can work when it's really small, when it gets bigger, you're going to find that really difficult. And then you're going to come to that unpleasant time where you have to make a choice between your side hustle and what you're effectively doing normally. And the problem with that is it's the stress that comes with it. So if this is genuinely something that you want to do and you have that urge and that need to do it, make sure you've got some set aside time where that's where you're focusing on it. So it's this concept of batching and that kind of stuff. And whether that, that can be an hour a week if you need it to be, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time but just some time that's set aside to think, actually, this is where I'm going to focus on this. So I've got some dedicated time to try and develop it really well. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, what what you're touching on there is that you need a passion, you know, um, yeah. it's so hard to start a side hustle and instantly replicate the income that you get from a doctor. It's just not going to happen. So True. Uh, unless you're passionate about it, you know, you need that passion to to do it, to keep chugging away because it's so hard. You know, you churn out an amazing amount of content mm-hmm. um, and that takes passion, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think those are really sound ideas. And um, what you're kind of saying with balancing it with your actual career is just have a think about when you start a side hustle, are you the product or is the yeah. product a product itself? Because if you're the, when you're a doctor, you're the mm-hmm. product, you need to be there doing doctoring to make the money. And if you start a side hustle where you're also the product, mm. I think that can lead to the workload issues. So yeah, great tips there. Um, now, I'm really excited for this next question because um, you know, you're the, the, the king of tech and apps, um, and I still manage most of my finances on an Excel spreadsheet, which first mm-hmm. started in 2008 when I left. Um, so uh, you know, it works for me. Spreadsheets are still good, but uh, mm-hmm. I got a feeling you're going to tell me some great tech apps that I need on my on my phone to help manage my finances. Sure. So in actual fact, spreadsheets aren't bad. I know sometimes they get that kind of um, perspective that people have that it's a bit stuffy and it's a bit old fashioned and that kind of stuff. But it's important to remember, it's a great way of keeping data that you can track. The key thing is you have to have the dedication to maintain it. That's where most people fall down. So it's not having the spreadsheet, it's just making sure you keep it updated. If you're doing that and it works for you, 
fine. There's loads of different options. I mean, you can use Excel, you can use Google Sheets, whatever. I think if you're going to do use something, just use something that you can access from anywhere. Don't make it be a, a you know a bog standard office Excel spreadsheet that's kept on your computer at home, because otherwise it makes it harder to update it and keep it. One of the tips I say to most people is have a separate account that is specifically for the content creation stuff that you're doing. And that just makes the accounting process from the finance really easy. But also it gives you a much better idea of where the income and expenditure is going when you need to, rather than having to refer back to spreadsheets and refer back to other kind of stuff as well. So you've got a much better concept of what's coming in, what's coming out and that kind of thing. So I have a specific bank account that's just for the the EGP learning things and, and everything goes in and out that's designed around that part of my working life for that. And it, you know, it's the same principle as a doctor. You, ideally, you should have one account that's you know for your income and expenditure for your medical stuff, and then preferably have a separate account for your home life and that kind of thing. So I have a, a main account where all my GP money goes into. I have a joint account with my wife where all of our you know lifestyle stuff and everything comes out of because that just means it's much easier to account and reduces your accountancy fees partly, um, but also just makes the process a lot easier. I think the other thing then to consider is what kind of focus do you need for the, the work that you're trying to do? So like I said, people often think about having applications and that kind of stuff just because they look smart or they look sexy or, or, or that kind of stuff. But have things that will actually make your life easier. So I mentioned the Calendly thing, uh, you know, the, the Harmonizely one that you, uh, we talked about. Um, I, you can use the free option. I recognize that I have so much need for that kind of tech that I actually do pay a small amount each month for it. But that small amount saves me so much time that actually it's much more valuable to me than, you know, spending multiple accounts and hassles and all that kind of thing. In terms of other apps, one I recommend for absolutely everybody is a password manager app. And it sounds really simple and basic. But it's one of those things that will save you so much stress and time. So I, I use a company called LastPass, and there's loads of different other kind of companies out there. And the reason why I use that is it's a secure. It's one of the most secure kind of systems around. It's equivalent to banking kind of levels and stuff. But it's just a great way of keeping all that pieces of information that you need. Again, it's accessible from anywhere where I need a device, and it's password protected with a really super secure password or my thumbprint, which hopefully nobody can copy unless they really have the intent of doing so and have probably the MI6 behind them. Um, or, or have your thumb. Or have my thumb, yeah. I, I mean, if my thumb's gone, then to be honest, I'm pretty sure I'd notice it personally, but yeah. Um, You'd hope so. Yeah, but it's a great way of keeping track of all those various accounts that you are going to get introduced to as you do content creation. So, you know, if I was to count the number of different software systems that I've potentially used or currently using, because you'll find over time you, you fall out of favor with certain ones and you focus on other ones, then having it all stored somewhere so I don't have to worry about doing password resets and, again, t saving you time, massive thing. And absolutely, I recommend it for anybody. Um, and it's a great way of sectioning things. So, for example, I, I use affiliate accounts for some of my uh, work that I do to bring in some of the income for me. Um, massive fan of certain products, and, and I'm happy to recommend them to people. And some of them I will even do affiliate work for as well. And I think it's important to remember that you need a way of tracking all that kind of income and, and that kind of stuff. Now, annoyingly, there isn't really any good software piece out there to track all that in one go. So it is an element of having to keep that on things like spreadsheets and that kind of stuff as well. It makes me happy to know that you still use a spreadsheet like I do. Um, yeah, one day I'll upgrade to some kind of app, but it's just, uh, yeah, I've put a lot of work into that spreadsheet. Exactly. And I think the last one that I'd recommend for particularly for clinicians um, and particularly in general practice is a mileage tracker app. 
Um, so one of the things that's really frustrating, and I know many trainees have this um, issue because they obviously have to do more tracking when it comes to their mileage. GPs tend to be less good at it, is my experience, and partly that's because they, they just forget to do it, to be honest. Um, but having an app that tracks you know, your distance that you've traveled for visits, for meetings, that kind of stuff, you can literally switch on and off and then have it as an exportable Excel file or CSV file at the end of the year to give to your accountant. It just makes your life so much easier. And most people nowadays have a smartphone that will do this. I mean, you don't need a big flashy phone by any means. It's a basic smartphone will do this. And there's a couple of good apps out there. There's MileIQ, I think it's called. Um, Vesma is one of the ones I've used for a while. Um, and they're just really simple ways of keeping track of that stuff that can save you money. You know, why not? Yeah. And I think um, maybe it's my IQ. I think that's what I use. It has like an automatic feature. So when I go on a regular commute, which uh, is not generally claimable, I'll get into this, but claimable, then it it, it just ignores it. Um, mm-hmm. But when I go on a different journey, like on a home visit or something, it knows I'm going on a slightly different journey. And mm-hmm. it, then it sort of puts them in a list and it says like, is this commuting or not commuting? And then, yeah, it's like it couldn't be easier. So the mileage tracker is a great point. And if you produce a mileage log to your accountant at the end of the year, they're going to really, really, really like you. If you exactly. produce uh, a glove box full of diesel receipts and be like, well, I might have done 4,000, might have done 10,000 miles. Not so good. Yeah. And the best part is it's cloud backed up. So if something was to happen, you're not going to lose that information. You can access it pretty much again, wherever you are. You know, I've had people who've, like you say, kept the receipts, kept paper logs. And then their car got stolen and, and then they've lost all that information. And like, well, bad enough, you've lost your car. You've lost all that stuff, information. And that information is just stuff you're not going to be able to figure out again. Let's be honest. You're not yeah. going to remember the different places you've been to and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, those are some really quick, simple wins and, and tips, I think, that people can think about when they're looking at their finance firm, you know, looking at how they're managing things from a particularly a medical perspective. Yeah, nice. And I think the theme there is doing it as you go along, like making it easy mm-hmm. as you, to do as you go along. So you go on a journey, track it. Because if you try and do it at the end of the year when you're doing your taxes, it's just not not possible, really. So yeah, like they make it so easy to do it as you go along. And then at the end of the year, you sit down, download the log, bam, self-assessment, done. Uh, so that's really cool. Okay. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about with you, um, because again, you're kind of ahead of the curve here, is virtual conferences. Now, with COVID pandemic, uh, recording this in October 2020, um, you know, all conferences have gone virtual mm-hmm. and um, some of them work quite well and some of them don't. And you've actually organized uh, several virtual conferences. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've done uh, two massive ones um, and we're gearing up for our third one, which is looking at how you use MS Teams in the NHS. So clearly something that's going to be hopefully useful to many of our listeners and and that kind of stuff with MS Teams being now purchased for the entire NHS for the next three years at least, which is awesome. Um, But yeah, virtual conferences. So clearly COVID came along and basically changed our world. Um, And just before COVID came along, me and my colleague Andy were looking at actually delivering a user conference for a platform called System One. So those of you in general practice will know that System One is one of the big kind of EPR systems that we use to manage patient data and, you know, the health records and that kind of stuff. And they have quite well, they they used to have a really vibrant kind of user group that fell away to the wayside. And I kind of created my own on Facebook. And then over the past few years, that's grown and grown and grown to really decent size. But out of that, a lot of people still wanted to have that opportunity to meet with other people to discuss about what, you know, how to improve system one. And like any product, you know, just how to do it better. Um, so approach system one themselves. And we were planning a face to face event, which was meant to be in September of this year. As I said, 
COVID came along and the concept of having a face-to-face event was just non-existent. You know, as many people know, venues were being cancelled left, right and centre and it was just too uncertain to figure out what to do. So I, I then thought, well, why can't we deliver this virtually and do loads of content online and using YouTube and all that kind of stuff? And is there a way that we can actually do this effectively through a virtual interface? And I was fortunate enough to have access to a platform that does this really well. So it's a platform called Hopin. Um, and using that, we've been able to deliver a couple of really good quality conferences. And I think the reason why virtual is, in my view, a really amazing way of delivering content is, number one, the delegates don't have to travel. So not having parking stress, not having the stress of trying to figure out where to get to the venue, all those kind of things, and losing time as well. You know, if you're going to a venue that's a couple of hours away, you're effectively having to take the whole day off for potentially what could have only been a two or three hours worth of time, you know, and it's so much easier to literally go to your, your clinic room or go to your practice or go to your home, log in and interface. Um, and that's worked really well. We've been able to deliver the content really easily, quickly and effectively. Um, yeah, it doesn't have the same engagement as a face-to-face event. And I think you do also lose some of those, you know, nice parts like being able to just randomly chat to people and meet new people. Um, but actually the system we used allowed some elements of that. So we had a networking element where people could literally just do like a speed dating style, meet other people at the venue. And we also had, it also provides a mechanism of engaging with sponsors because actually sponsors have had a really nasty time over COVID. They've not been able to get a lot of the feedback from users that they normally would have got because they would have got that through conference events and that kind of stuff. And also for people to learn about new products, new ideas, new new kind of systems and stuff. A lot of the users don't have that because they don't get that information in the same way unless they're actively looking for it. So that, you know, our, our conference has allowed us to do a lot of that. And the, and the feedback has been amazing. I must admit, you know, some of the feedback in terms of people just saying, I only want to do virtual conferences now. I don't want to do face-to-face, you know, or people have said that they can now engage because they don't have to worry about getting back to pick up the kids. So that's yeah. been a massive one and that's a repeated feedback thing. So we structure all of our events to make sure it's outside of pickup times for school. Yeah, I love that. Um, that's why we're recording this podcast uh, when we are now. Exactly. We've both yeah. been on the school run this morning. Um, yeah. But something really, I mean, you're going to need your crystal ball for this, um, mm-hmm. but... Because I tell you my experience. The other day, uh, I did medics money in the morning till midday, then had a accounts meeting from 12 till 1. And then at 1 o'clock, I went to a virtual conference until 3. Then mm-hmm. I went on the school run. Okay. So normally, those those three things would have needed to be on a separate day because I'd have yeah. to travel to the accounts meeting and then come back and then go to the conference. So I managed to stack them all in one day mm-hmm. uh, and still pick up the kids and get a reasonable amount done. And I was just like, do you know what? If if that conference comes back to be in the real world, I'd probably rather go virtually. So with your crystal mm-hmm. ball, do you think, I mean, obviously real conferences are going to come back, but how do you see it in the future? Because I'm not sure that I would go to that conference in person again um, mm-hmm. because of the, the the online experience was so good. I think there's two things that are going to need to change with that. So number one is that like you say, we are going to head towards back to face-to-face because some people still want the face-to-face engagement. They want the, the aspects of being able to see real people, you know, the opportunity and the, those quick water cooler chats, as they're called. You know, the Americans love that term and things. Um, but without that, I mean, it's going to happen because that's the way that the world works. But I think what the future is actually going to hold for us is what we call hybrid events. So you'll have 
a number of tickets or a number of you know seats and stuff for people to attend face to face and potentially conference organizers are going to have to think about extra value in order to uh, entice people to do that and whether that's you know um, special events or special sessions or, or that kind of stuff but then backing that up with a virtual conference platform so then people that don't want to attend face to face can still engage with the event um, and you know clearly that can be a different price ticket or something like that because there's, you're not having to worry about food costs venue costs you can look at smaller venues that kind of stuff as well but the other thing that, that works really well with virtual conferences which people don't always think about it can be so impactful is the recordings that you can do it's now so easy with these platforms to record all the content and then you can make that available to everybody afterwards. And that's one of the things that we commit to when we do our EGP learning conferences. When you sign up, even if you can't attend, you will get access to the recordings for all the events that we can do. Um, and that therefore means that if, so I've had loads of people that have commented, they've engaged with the conference whilst they've been on call at the practice. And that's meant that at times they can watch and at other times they can't. And therefore then after the event, they've still got access to all the recordings so they can catch up with the bits that they've missed. And that's real value to a delegate because then they know that actually if I can't, and yes, it's better if I attend because I get to ask my questions, I get that live interaction. But if I can't, I've still got the content and the information that I need to get the most value out of my experience. Yeah. And it also avoids that problem, um, which first ever happened to me at a festival where you want to watch one band, but then another really good band is on at the same time and yep. you have to choose. It's the same at a conference. I mean, not as exciting as watching a band, but you, you often there's a clash and you, if it's yep. live, you can't go to both. But with the recorded, you can go to both. And it's like, you know, the schedule then is just irrelevant. Um, OK, I mean, you're again ahead of the curve on virtual conferences. I think it's really interesting what you've been doing and um, great. Great that you're still pushing things forward with uh, System 1, um, and that's really cool. All right, wrapping up now, um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to embarrass you by... Well, actually, I'm going to ask you, how many years ago was it that you were an F1? And if you could give your, your F1 self a couple of tips now, uh, what would they be? Because it's October, the F1 started in August. I'm, I'm yeah. sure we both remember those days with fond memories, but also challenging times. So um, yeah, how many years ago was it? So it'd be about 12, 13 years ago now. Ooh, been when a GP. Did you graduate? 2008. I've been, yeah, I've been a GP for 10 years. So yeah, I graduated, yeah, 2008. Oh, same as me. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what advice would I give myself to back in F1? So I guess the difference between the biggest difference between me now and me back in F1 is that I didn't have a family and I didn't have the responsibilities that come with that. And, and that clearly lends into my time. So as, as productive as I am, I want to make sure I've got time to spend with my family, to spend with my wife, and just do the important things in life. Let's be clear on that. Um, and that's not to say that you don't have important things to do when you're an F1, but you potentially have less responsibilities that require, you know, particularly your financial commitments. So you've got two options. Number one, focus on a passion and see if you can really push that as best as you can. And whether that is something like content creation with us, some other idea that you've got, you know, you've got potentially the opportunity to really dig into it and see if it works at that time because of the less responsibilities. And I guess that's one thing in my head. I mean, if I'd started my YouTube channel back when I was an F1, I had all these ideas. I had all these concepts. I just didn't have the confidence to do it back then. Um, and nowadays the tech makes it so easy. So yep. if I'd done that then, I'd probably be about 10 times bigger than what I am now. Let's be honest with that, because time helps with that. I guess number two is invest early as well. I, I learned a lot of financial lessons in terms of how to improve my finances. And I learned a lot of them about five years into being a GP. Um, so to be honest, if I started again, those much earlier on, 
I'm pretty sure I'd be in a lot more stable position than I am now financially and stuff. So whether that's, you know, investments in things like stock markets or, or that kind of stuff, or just simply getting your house in order and claim back on various kind of things. And I know this is a lot of what you talk about at Medics Money and stuff. And, you know, I'm still surprised by the information I learned from you guys about simple things that would make my life a lot easier if I just did them. And more importantly, if I did them earlier. Yeah, yeah. And just starting early, I think, yeah, such a great tip. Okay, that was so, so cool. It was so great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for all your videos that you do and all the information that you put out there. We'll drop the link in the show notes. You should definitely check that out. It's not just for GPs, it's for everybody. There's some great stuff on there. Uh, Great to catch up with you as always. Thanks for your time, Gandhi. Thanks a lot. Take care.